Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 141. And today we've got Heather Steele of Blue Steel Solutions. Hello. Heather, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Um, I am Heather Steele. I'm the owner and founder of Blue Steel Solutions. We're a full-service marketing agency located in Denton, Texas. Um, so while we do a little bit of everything with marketing, a big portion of what we spend our time on is developing WordPress sites for our clients. Very good. And I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan Denwood. Who are you? Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We are a maintenance support company, but we also support um, WordPress consultants, small agencies, graphic designers. If you're looking for um, an outsource that's reliable, um, that can do custom themes, custom plugins, uh, and just be um, a great partner, please contact us. Excellent. And I'm John Locke, and my business is Lockdown Design, and I also help people with WordPress, specifically in the areas of local SEO and WooCommerce. So uh, jumping right in, Heather, uh, you know, who does Blue Steel Solutions serve, and how did you find your niche? So we we definitely are most effective and feel most comfortable working with um, kind of smaller businesses in that 10 to 50 employee range is really kind of our sweet spot. Um, we don't have an industry niche. We really span across, you know, B2B and B2C, um, work with lots of different types of businesses, but really where we can come in and make the biggest impact is somebody that has, you know, at least 10 employees all the way up to about 50. We find that they typically, um, by the time they've hit that level of growth, they're, they're no longer in strictly a startup mode. They've got some cash flow. They've been doing this long enough to understand the value of marketing. Um, they probably even have a budget already allocated for um, some of their marketing. And so that's a really great spot for us to come in. Any smaller than that, and they typically just don't really have a whole lot to invest at this point. Um, and we have tried that, but... That's really where our sweet spot is. Yeah, very good. Is there any specific verticals that you prefer serving? or? Um, I don't know if I can say prefer, uh, but some of the places that we've been more successful and really just found people that we love working with would be um, more in the how do I say this nicely? Um, <laughs> like optional medical type field. So not necessarily your standard doctor's office, but people that are offering therapies and treatments that are really more optional and lifestyle based um, has been a great niche for us. We also really enjoy working with people that are in manufacturing, um, kind of distribution and supply chain. Uh, that's an area that we understand really well and typically just like the people that we've worked with there. You know, they're very down to earth and straightforward. And so that's been really enjoyable too. So we kind of two very opposite extremes there, uh, but those would be two of the verticals that we've really enjoyed. Excellent. Um, so how do you how do you determine what clients are going to be a good fit for Blue Steel Solutions? How, how do those people end up at your doorstep? 
That's a great question. Um, most of our business comes through referrals. So we do get, you know, people finding us just by doing a Google search or maybe they've come across our Facebook page or our Twitter and connected with us that way. Um, but most of our clients that we really end up having a successful relationship with definitely come through referrals. Um, and then we do have sort of a pre-screening process. Um, that process, depending on how full our pipeline is, make it very strict or it may be a little bit more lenient when we're you know really wanting to bring on more businesses um, but we do have a screening process where we look at you know what are their goals and objectives what do they want to accomplish um, make sure that aligns with the services we can offer and just how we work in general um, and then budget of course is is a very important thing if a business has no budget dedicated for their marketing and they're not really willing to work with us to create that specific budget then they're probably not going to be a great fit for us. Um, you know, we really need people who have put enough thought into and have enough value in what they're doing with their marketing um, that they've put some pen to paper and they know what those numbers are to spend. Um, so those are really the criteria. Are their expectations and goals something that's reasonable and something that we feel like we are best suited to help them with? Um, and then, you know, do they have the budget allocated? Do they or can they go out and get it? Um, and then honestly, just do we like them? Do we have a good personal connection? You know, do we feel like these are going to be people that we want to work with long term? Um, and there definitely have been times where the first two are a, a, a yes and the last question's a no. And we have to make that tough decision of sending them to someone else or, you know, just letting them know that we're not a great fit. No, excellent. Um, you know, one thing I noticed with a lot of web shops um, is there's a tendency to focus a lot on the initial project value. But one thing that I noticed on, on your website is you guys really stress the importance of, of nurturing that long-term relationship with clients. Tell us a little bit about why uh, Blue Steel believes in the long-term relationships. Yeah, so I think all of us, especially people who do, you know, websites is really kind of our primary service offering. We do tend to get trapped into this project focused um, sales cycle where we're just always trying to sell that next big project. Um, for most of us, that's going to be the, the website, you know, custom build is like, okay, great. If I can get that, then that, you know, covers our bills for the month and keeps things moving forward. And I think almost everyone I've talked to in the WordPress world starts out chasing projects. I mean, that's just where we all kind of go to in our brains. Um, but we, over the last several years, have really started to guide our clients into more of a long-term, what does this look like from your business goal standpoint? Because we can build you a great website and we can show you how to use it and we can help you write all this great content to get it launched. But if you're not actually continuing the process, um, then you're not going to meet those goals. You're not going to find the success that you want with the site you've asked us to build. And so it's really a matter of kind of starting that conversation early on, because most of our clients just with the size business that they are, they don't have an internal marketing department. They don't have someone who's responsible for keeping the ball rolling internally. So they really need someone like us who can push that forward. So at the end of the day, it's much better for the client. They're going to feel much more successful. They're going to actually see the results that we've discussed them meeting um, when we first met them. And for us, obviously, you know, recurring income is always better than a one-time paycheck. 
Um, so for us, it just makes sense that we can have fewer clients and really focus on them and their needs over the long term, rather than just continually chasing that next project. Because what's going to happen is if, if you're only doing project work, then either your client's not going to feel that successful at the end because no one is helping to move them past the you know website launch date and actually accomplishing their other goals. And so they're just going to feel like it was a failure of a project and it wasn't really worth the investment. Or they're going to understand that they need help to continue to carry the ball down the field and someone else is going to get them as a client and they're going to get the business that you could have gotten. Um, so I'm kind of going off on a rant here, but um, it's good for the client and it's good for us as a business to really look at the long term and focus on not just, OK, how do we get this website built and launched and out the door so that we can collect, you know, the other half of our invoice and move on our way, but more starting the conversation very early on for what does this look like long term and how does this website help you meet your business goals in the next six weeks, six months and, you know, years down the road. No, I think that's very well put. It's not it, the launching of the website is, is not the end of the project. It's the beginning. Right. Yeah. And it's hard, especially, you know, when you just get started and you're trying to just get things going, it's really hard to, to think about it that way. Um, or at least it was for me. And I know it, it was for a lot of people that I know in this world. Um, we get very you know, siloed in our thinking of like, I can build a website and I can do that really well. So that's what I'm going to go out and market myself as. And then we leave everything else on the table. No, and that's an excellent point too. It kind of leads into this next question. Uh, you know, how did Blue Steel Solutions grow and how did you get from where you started to where you are now? Kind of what's your origin story? Yeah, so I actually started the business um, while I was on maternity leave with my second child. Um, I'd always kind of known that I wanted to have my own company. And so I saw that as a great opportunity to start getting out there and really, you know, marketing what we can do and starting to, to get some clients lined up. Um, so me and my newborn little baby went out and started taking meetings and just really getting the ball rolling so that when I went back after my leave, I could basically tell them that I was leaving, um, which some people say that's not fair, but I put in my work to earn that maternity leave. So I don't feel bad about it. But um, so it really started out with just me uh, doing everything. And I did that for about two and a half years um, until I realized like this is not working. I've hit a wall. There's no way I can take on more work or more clients. I'm really billing at a point where I don't feel like I can raise my rates enough to really help get me to the next level. Um, and with only so many hours in the day, I need to I need help. So I hired an assistant who was just a college student who was looking for an internship um, and just started teaching him what I knew. And he kind of grabbed on to the WordPress development and loved it and started teaching himself. And so he ended up turning into our front end developer. He's still with me um, three years later. And um, so really bringing in someone who I could bring in on a part-time basis, who was very affordable for me and then training him to, to do the things that I needed him to do um, was a great stepping stone. You know, I didn't have to go out and find someone that, needed a full-time salary and benefits and all those things that are really hard for you to do as a single entrepreneur. Um, 
And so then after after he came in, we hired another round of interns to do content writing and then hired a round of interns for design. And what's happened is every time we've kind of brought in these rounds of interns, one sticks. We find, you know, one in the group that's really a good fit for us. And then they can, after graduation, become a full time employee. Um, So most of our staff has come on that way. And it's been a great kind of slow growth process for us to be able to really create the revenue for their salaries, you know, before they're here full time and to be able to kind of test the waters. You know, they've got a temporary situation where I'm not going to feel bad letting them go if it's not a good fit, because when the internship ends, it ends. Um, But then when it is a great fit, we can offer them a role to stay on full time. Most definitely. It sounds uh, like a good plan. Uh, So one thing that I noticed you guys do that a lot of web development uh, shops and and maybe some, you know, freelancers out there fail to do is you go out into the community and you do workshops. You are visible out in Denton Mm -hmm. and, and you've had a lot of success doing that. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we definitely believe in, you know, giving back to the community. Um, Denton has been good to me. I mean, it's been a great place to get my business started and to grow. And, um, you know, we don't do a huge book of business here in town. Um, Most of our business is out kind of in the larger cities and even out of state. Uh, But just the people here have been very nurturing and giving to me and really helping with um, just being there to answer questions and provide mentorship and so one of the ways that, that we really like to give back is to teach those that are kind of coming along in our footsteps. So just like people helped kind of guide me when I was getting started, we like to give back um, any kind of useful information that we can. So we do offer at least twice a year, we do a workshop series that we do through our public library here. Um, it'll typically be like three or five weeks in a row where we do about an hour and a half session of bringing people in and teaching them something that they can really take and apply to their business right away. So we did um, last year, we did a workshop series on basically how to plan your website and you know write your content, create your goals, structure the site so that everything's ready to hand off to a developer. Um, we just recently wrapped up a series on how to do your own marketing analysis. So to look at your goals and everything you're doing um, and what you want to accomplish and then helping people to put together that marketing plan for how they can get from where they are now to where they want to be. So while it hasn't necessarily generated a ton of leads, it's not going to be the thing that, you know, brings in our next big client because most of the people that have time to attend a workshop like this, um, they are a single person business. They're kind of just getting started. They're looking for free information. So they're not necessarily our ideal clients, but they're very involved in the community. And so we do get um, referrals from them that help us, obviously. Um, and then, like I said, it's just something that we can do to give back. Um, and honestly, it helps us with some of our own internal marketing, because not only are we putting our name out locally, but it's a great exercise to force us to create really good content that we can use on social media and on our blog. And, you know, it's really easy to put off writing a blog post, but it's not very easy to put off planning for a workshop where you're going to have, you know, 20 to 50 participants that are expecting good content. You have to do that. You don't have a choice. I'm the worst procrastinator. Um, Adam will tell you guys (laughs) I am terrible about it. 
But if we know that these people are going to show up, then I have no choice but to prepare that content. And then, of course, Adam, our content writer, can take it and spin it into an ebook and, you know, several different blog posts and, you know, posts for us to use on social media. So it's also a good way just to keep me disciplined on meeting our own internal marketing objectives. No, that's that's excellent. Uh, you know, and one other thing I want to ask you, too. Um, there's a lot of small businesses that outsource their marketing. They launch a website and, um, you know, then they're just pondering, you know, how do I keep this rolling with blog posts? Mm-hmm. So they put on it. They're like in their business instead of on their business. And, and they just want to pay somebody to take care of marketing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is understandable. But what are some of the mistakes that, that those small businesses make when they outsource marketing? And, and what can they do to alleviate those mistakes? Yeah, so the biggest mistake that I see is people approach it with the wrong goal in mind, right? Um, They contact a company that maybe does SEO or or some kind of social media marketing, and they have this goal of like, I want to rank for X keyword, or I want to have, you know, 2000 followers by the end of the month, or they have this arbitrary goal that really means nothing to their business, you know, you could have 2,000 followers and who gives a crap if they're not anybody that's actually going to, to be involved in giving you referrals or helping you in some way with, with growing that business. Um, so the biggest mistake that I see is people approach a company with this goal um, that's not really rooted in something that actually affects their business. And then that company, because let's be honest, there's a lot of really bad black hat SEO firms, social media, marketing agencies that will just take your money and they may meet your goal. I mean, they can probably pull it off to get you ranking for your keyword or get those followers that you want. But at the end of the day, it turns into nothing because the goal wasn't actually rooted in something that affects your business. So rather than people focusing on, you know, I want to rank for um, WordPress website development in Denton, Texas, you know, I think we need to focus more on, I really need to, I really need to generate um, 10 new leads a month because I know my churn rate and I know how many I can close out of that. And that's, what's going to keep me growing. Um, Or I need to generate this type of interest or this amount of dollars or whatever relates to their business. They need to be thinking about the goals in that perspective. Um, And then of course, you know, vetting the person that they're working with. I mean, there's so many clients that we get, who have just been paying these organizations to market for them. And they really don't know anything about what's going on behind closed doors, what's happening, you know, what type of goals are being met or what type of tactics are being taken. Um, so the second mistake would be just kind of taking um, a blind eye approach and paying the money and not really investigating into well, what's actually happening. Um, what are these people actually doing and how are they actually meeting the goals that we established? Uh, so I think a lot of people just get into kind of an auto pay scenario where they're sending out the money and they don't know what's happening. And it's shocking to me. I mean, we'll have clients that honestly haven't read their own blog in months and they have no idea what's out there. They have no idea what kind of link building schemes are going on or anything crazy that's happening that could really damage their reputation and they're just, well, I'm, I checked that off my list. I've got this SEO thing going or I've got 
this content thing going. And so it's done. It's not my problem anymore. And in six months, I should be able to look back and have a big payday because I did my part by sending them the check. Mm, yeah. And, and I've encountered that personally a lot too. Um, you know, I'll go to like a local chamber of commerce and people will tell me like their understanding of SEO is you hand somebody some money and then you rank. And then mm-hmm. if you stop paying them, you don't rank. But um, and, <laughs> or, or people who are on the auto pay situation like you're talking about. And I think that, you know, how can people vet like SEO company better? Because I think a lot of people, they just, you know, if there is somebody at their local rotary club or their chamber or the first person that they see on Google, that's who they pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'll answer that one in one second. But the other mistake that I wanted to point out is that yeah. people just don't do anything. Right. So the complete opposite of just mailing the check every month, they think, well, I I did the website, you know, I set up my social media and now I'm just going to sit back and let the money roll in. Um, That's the other mistake that a lot of people make um, is just that they think that marketing or these different tactics are a one time check it off the list thing and move on when really it needs to be an ongoing effort. Um, So that would be that would be the last mistake that I wanted to mention. Um, as far as vetting, you know, these different firms, it really is hard. If you are not an expert in the topic of, you know, search engine optimization, I think is the best one we can use as an example because it is so complex. I mean, we don't do SEO directly in house because there's a lot of factors. You really have to be an expert in it to understand the whole picture and really have a cohesive strategy. Um, but the best advice I can give is just if it sounds too good to be true, it is. If someone tells you they can get you to the number one position for a keyword, then they're lying. Like nobody can guarantee that. Um, if they're if they're promising traffic that is just sounds crazy and hard to believe, then don't believe it. Um, just having a little bit of common sense and, and really not having this expectation that just because someone has some sort of Google certification that they are miracle workers, um, that's the best way to keep you out of trouble. Um, and then, of course, just educating yourself. Um, we did a, an interview a couple of years ago with one of our favored SEO people and just really went through and listed all of the things to look out for and all of the questions to ask um, a potential SEO firm. So I think someone could just, you know, really do a Google search. How do I find a good SEO firm and see what the most common five or six things are to look out for um, and make sure you're vetting against those. You know, it's going to change periodically, especially as the algorithms change and just our approach to Internet marketing changes. So do a search and see see what the most popular things are right now for vetting an SEO firm and then use those things to your advantage. Um, we can get so much information from all of the other content marketers that are putting blog posts out. Go out and use it so that you don't end up in a situation where you're also being taken advantage of or just not having someone that's doing a very good job. Oh, I think that's fantastic advice, Heather. I think we should go for our first break, should we, John? Definitely, we're up against the break. Uh, when we come back from our break, we're, we'll continue talking with Heather Steele of Blue Steel Solutions. See you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775 527 7021. 
We're coming back from our break, and we're talking more with Heather Steele from Blue Steel Solutions. Uh, before the break, we were talking about you know um, marketing for for small business, and uh, you know one of the things too that uh, people get hung up on is is branding as well. And and what are the things that go into a business's brand or a personal brand? Because I think a lot of people get the the feeling that it's you know, you design a logo and, and that's a brand, but you know, what all goes into to actual brand? That's a, that's a really great question. Um, and I'm glad to get the opportunity to talk about it because it is something that is a huge misconception. Um, so when we think about brand, the actual colors and fonts and the way it looks are like the very last thing that we consider. Um, your brand is really how the general public, the people outside of your organization, view your business or view your organization. Um, it's the emotional connotation that they have with your business. It's the thoughts and feelings that they have when they hear your name or think about what it is that you do. Um, and so really when we think about brand, we start with breaking down, um, you know, what is the objective? Like, why did you start this business or why are you doing what you're doing? And really establishing what we call a battle cry, more than a mission statement, but really like, the emotional undertone of why is it that you have this, this organization? Um, and that's easier to do when you're working with smaller businesses. Typically the founder is still involved or people who were early on are still involved. Obviously as you get bigger and you have large enterprises, it's a little bit different. Um, but really thinking about the heart of why are we doing this? Like not just to make money, but why are we here and doing this and coming to the office every day? Um, and then we think about, you know, who is it that we're really trying to reach? Who's that super specific ideal audience um, so that everything that we do to create a brand or to establish that brand persona is geared towards that target audience? Um, and then we think about the different personality traits. So if your brand was a person, if your company was a person, how would you want people to describe it? You know, how would you want people to really see you um, in a very specific way? And so we use all of these things, and there's obviously a lot more that goes into it, um, but to create the, the brand itself. So, of course, logo and colors and fonts are an important part of that, but it's all driven by um, more of the emotional and personality side of the business and the people we're trying to connect to. Um, without knowing those two things, all you're doing is really creating something that may look kind of cool, uh, but it's not going to actually speak to someone. And then beyond the look and feel, you know, we need to consider the voice, the way that we talk to people or the way we um, communicate in print. You know, is it first person or third person? Is it casual or is it very formal? Um, what you know, grade level would we put our communication style on? All these things go into creating a very cohesive voice so that um, when people read something on your website or see you out in public, it's all very consistently presented um, and it creates a consistent experience for your audience. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Jonathan, anything? Yeah, Heather. Um, so at the beginning of our little chat, um, you, you said, you know, the kind of customers that you, that are deal for you and your business. Now, apart from direct referral, what have been some of the, um, 
most fruitful and um, methodologies for you to attract those type of clients? Um, you know, definitely having a well-optimized website is super helpful. Um, having people that, you know, there's still going to be those people that search for a marketing firm, um, you know, in Denton or whatever kind of specific thing that they're needing. So having the right content and all of the optimization behind the scenes so that we are ranking well for those is, is very important for us. We do get um, several leads through our website. And so that that one's key. Um, we also do, you know, a lot of just ongoing like email marketing, drip campaigns, staying in front of people, um, even just doing like Facebook ads, um, all of those things that help keep our brand in front of people definitely make a big difference to send them back to our website so that we can get an inquiry that way. Um, another thing we've done locally that's been kind of surprising to me, um, is that we publish a monthly article in the local newspaper, and we give our advice and thoughts and help there. And so um, that's actually turned into some some good leads for us as well, which I was kind of surprised because I've never actually read our own article in the newspaper. <laughs> but um, there are still people that, you know, really value that that method. But definitely just being um, very proactive in our web presence and making sure that we're doing our best to rank for the keywords um, that are associated with what we do, staying active in social media um, so that, you know, people who have been around or tangent to our business continue to follow us and kind of know that we're, we're there so that when they have a need, um, hopefully we're one of the first calls that they make. Uh, but really just nurturing all the people around us that can give us those referrals has been the most successful. Yeah, and uh, linked to um, our dis the discussion, basically, um, I'll just put this to you and see what your response is. Um, uh, it actually um, it only occurred to me a few months ago, actually thinking about things. Um, a lot of what people do with websites and um, digital content in general is what I call very passive mode. They, mm -hmm. um, they publish, they write, they publish, they develop, and then people will come in their mind. And nothing, mm -hmm. nothing more could be more um, wrong. Um, it, the actual idea that you got to place yourself in front of your target and have a service or solution that if you place yourself in that target audience mind that you would be interested in is of the utmost. So it's called digital outreach. And mm -hmm. I think most companies have no idea how many times they, that they have to touch their audience before that individual company might... Um, become a real lead would you agree with that and is it a struggle to try and explain those realities to your clients yeah so i think the like you said the um the if you build it they will come mentality is definitely very strong um so one of the things we spend a lot of time addressing with websites or any kind of content marketing we're doing is having a traffic plan so yes this content's great but how are we going to get it in front of the right people um, and having a realistic plan for that, um, you know, so that we don't have people assuming that they can write a blog post about some topic related to their business. And all of a sudden it's going to generate um, a bunch of views or even form submissions. Um, 
So just keeping a reality check on it is very important. Um, I've talked my way into forgetting what the original question was. <laughs> no, it's no, it's no, no, you're, no problem at all, Heather, because I'm notorious in combining four. I started thinking about other things, I'm and then I thought, like wait, John, I need to pull this back to what Jonathan actually asked me. No, I'm notorious about actually combining three to four intellectual <laughs> elements in one question, actually. It's, uh, my poor, our poor guest, John, is much more direct. Um, no, um, I'll just, um, the, the other bit was, that um they is the passive side and they don't really think they don't realize they're they are effectively in digital outreach then they're gonna have to touch a lot of people multiple mm. times to get a result um a do you agree with that and b how do you try and explain that that they're gonna you know they're gonna have to touch a lot of people multiple times before they're gonna that that person might become a, a quality lead to their business right um, so that's that's something that I think, you know, we spend a lot of time with our clients really pushing the idea of having a CRM, um, of having a way to track their pipeline, to be able to see the full sales cycle so that they can actually at the end of, you know, let's say a six month period, put numbers to it and see how long did it really take to turn someone from an initial lead into an actual qualified prospect or even a win. Um, so the, the first thing that I recommend is always to use data rather than your assumptions. It's really easy for us to kind of think of like our top three favorite clients and, oh, they were a referral and they signed, you know, after the first time we talked to them. So, no, I don't need to do all these multiple touches. I got some of these deals through just kind of a one time lucky situation. Um, so teaching people to really put everything into a system to track and see how long did it actually take? How many touches did I actually send and be able to look at the number of calls and emails and depending on the sophistication of the system, you know, you can see more of that automated um, interaction as well, but at least to get a good realistic look at, you know, how long is my typical sales cycle? How long does it actually take on average to turn someone from, you know, a brand new lead into a closed um, deal? is one thing that, that can really help to put everything back into reality because it's easy for us to make assumptions when we're either frustrated with something or really excited about something. So if we're you know frustrated because, well, we've been doing these Facebook ads and nothing's happening and you know we expected this really quick result, looking at the data can sometimes bring things back to reality and show you know, what's really happening. Um, the other thing is you know, it depends on the business. Some clients will have, you know, a much easier sale, uh, maybe because of a low dollar amount or something that's, you know, really more of a, um, a product that people want or need and they don't have to take as long to make a buying decision uh, versus, you know, us in a service um, aspect. It typically takes longer. It does take more touches for us to convince someone that we're the right person to sign that check to and to trust with with their business. So. Um, again, it goes back to looking at data and what's actually happening in your business rather than making assumptions. Um, and then, you know, do a regular audit of your marketing and of what's working and what's not so that you can weed out the things that aren't really being effective and enhance those that are. I think that's great. Thanks, Heather. So, you know, your, your website tool of, uh, attack is WordPress, um, did you look at other content management systems and what are the, 
what are the benefits that you feel you, that you've obtained by your agency in WordPress being your, you know, your go-to go-to tool? Yeah, so I actually started out doing Joomla websites, um, and so I, I spent a lot of time struggling in that world. Um, you know, for me, I I came into the WordPress community and was just kind of blown away at the difference in the people. So, you know, and some of this may just have to do with the timing of it and the fact that, you know, different groups and organizations were just kind of beginning to flourish because that was the timing of, of how things were developing on the internet. But, um, you know, in the Joomla world and I dabbled in a few other um, content management systems. It was very difficult to find help and community and really create um, relationships with other developers. What I found was more closed doors and people keeping things more close to the vest, um, worrying about competition and, you know, really just not being as warm and open um, as what I found the WordPress community to be. So at the end of the day, I mean, WordPress is very valuable um, as a content management system. It's, you know, it it does great things. It's very flexible. We can build basically anything that our clients need with it. Um, But for me personally, it's not necessarily the WordPress code that makes the difference. It's really the fact that, you know, we're here on the WP Tonic today talking to each other because this is a community where we do help each other and it's very collaborative. And, you know, when we're struggling with something for us to find someone to come in as a contractor or even just to, to do some consulting with us, it's very easy to connect with those people. And, you know, it's, it's very, um, you know, interconnected and, like nothing that I've come across in other areas of business communities or even other developer communities. Um, so that's definitely been the biggest value to me. Now, people who are you know more advanced and doing more custom application and not really just focusing on marketing websites that do a really great job of helping generate leads or um, even some e-commerce may have a different opinion than that, you know, the the code base and the actual, you know, what's going on from that perspective is much more important to them. But in all reality, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we could build a marketing website. You know, WordPress is not the only solution out there, but it's the best solution for us because of the resources and the community around it and just what that's done for us. Um, You know, I would say at least, at least 60% of our good referrals come from other WordPress people. All right. You know, it's it, and you don't see that in other communities, at least not that I've been involved in, where your competitor down the road will send you a lead because you are a better fit for it, or maybe they're not taking on any new projects or whatever the case may be. Um, it's very unique to me that that we have that type of relationship in the WordPress community. Yeah, it is really, isn't it? Um, is it that you've um, built up a, a um, really strong relationships in the, the in the development WordPress development community in your part of Texas? Is that one of the reasons you feel? Um, it actually, I think you know the the people that I know locally are more just by coincidence. Um, most of the people that I've met through the WordPress community are not here in North Texas. Um, there's a handful of great people. Don't get me wrong, but we all kind of met each other through Twitter and then went, Oh, you live right down the road from me. Um, 
I, we're not in the, the best hotspot for the WordPress meetups and things that go on kind of on a regular basis. Um, there's certainly been efforts to start that, but it hasn't been like what you see in other communities for sure. Um, so really digitally connecting with people, mostly through Twitter or the Facebook groups has been um, how I've personally built those relationships. I mean, there's several people that I feel like I work with all the time and I've never even met them in person. You know, it's just, we have a connection um, and then take it into a Slack channel or Google Hangouts or something like that, where we're, you know, really staying in touch and helping each other develop our businesses. Oh, that's great, Heather. I think we um, need to end the uh, podcast part of the show. John, what do you reckon? I think it's uh, right about time. So uh, just want to remind everyone if you're getting a lot of value from this show, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a detailed descriptive review. Um, we're trying to get to 100 reviews, and we can't do it without your help. So if you could leave us a review, that would be awesome. Uh, you can catch the bonus content for this episode over on the WP Tonic site with the corresponding um, you know, episode post. Uh, where we're going to continue our conversation with Heather Steele. Uh, but right now, we're just going to let everybody uh, uh, let us know where they can find them. Heather, how do we find you? The best way to find us um, is through our website, bluesteelsolutions.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E, like on my name. Um we definitely through the blog, we have lots of great conversations there. We've got an easy form to contact that comes directly to me. So if you have questions um, or just want to tell me that, you know, my hair looked crazy on the show or something, you can go there, go to the contact page. Um, and of course we have all of our social media accounts linked from the website as well. So connect with us on Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, probably not Google plus nobody's over there anymore, but <laughs> we'd love to connect in the other areas where real people hang out. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, that's great, John. But um, before I, I tell you how to get a hold of me, folks, like um, we do tend to publish the episode on the website a little bit earlier than iTunes. Just a little tip there, folks. So um, if you want to, you just want more WP Tonic medicine, you can normally go to the website and um, get a little bit more, a little bit earlier. I just thought I'd mention that. If you want to get a hold of me, folks, um, it's quite easy. Um, just email me at jonathan at wp-tonic.com. And um, I'm, I normally check a couple of times a day. And or Twitter, the uh, the great Twitter, you know, at Jonathan Denwood. And I, I'm, I've been proud that people say I respond reasonably quick on that. So... Um, I'm going to bum up my Facebook as well, actually. I've been a bit slack there, folks, so I'm, I'm going to try and engage a bit more there. So um, that's how to get a hold of me, John. Very good. And you can always get a hold of me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. And you can find me on the Twitters at lockdown underscore. For WP Tonic, this is John. Um, saying signing off and be sure to catch us for episode 142 we're going to discuss marketing for nonprofits. Mm-hmm.